If you had maybe your oldest child sometime in the last 20 years, there's a pretty good chance you would recognize the title of my sermon today. What to Expect When You're Expecting is a book that Jesse and I and so many other parents in the last couple decades have read together when they were pregnant, especially with their first. And it's really helpful because each week it tells you what has changed and what has grown and what has developed with this little life growing in you. You even get these little drawings, these little pictures of this clump of cell that turns into what looks kind of like a lemon with a tail and then a melon with these odd little arms and legs, and then eventually something you begin to recognize as a baby. But that's not all the book offers. It also helps expectant moms and expectant dads to know what to expect about how these changes are going to affect you and how your body will feel at different times along the way and the different emotions that are likely to surge along the way in the process and and what to expect about how that's going to affect your relationship as mom and dad, and some things about how to handle that and how to support one another in those intense shifting times. And it's become this really widely popular book because it helps to know what to expect, especially when you're headed into something that you know is normal, but it's also really scary and unknown, and maybe your anxiety is up a little bit and you feel some different feelings, and you just don't know if what you're feeling and experiencing is normal or not. Dayspring, that's where we find ourselves right now when we come to church, isn't it? And I think that will be even more true in the coming months, just like any set of expectant parents. You're entering what's often described as liminal space. Maybe you've heard that term before. Liminal space is the space in between two places. You're no longer where you have been, and you certainly haven't arrived where you're headed. It's the space of expecting, the journey between conception and birth, the journey between the time a pastor announces their leaving, a pastor that you have trusted, to the time that a new pastor comes, and not only comes, but starts to build some of that trust. It's the place where you're in this threshold. You're standing in a threshold. You're leaving one room. You haven't come to the next. And here's the thing about liminal space, really in all areas of life. This tends to be true. Liminal space is one of those spaces that is full of possibilities and potential. All sorts of new, wonderful things have the possibility to show up only because you've entered into liminal space. On the other hand... It's also the space of a lot of uncertainty and anxiety because things are changing and some things will be lost and you don't know quite how long it's going to take or how it will all land. Sound familiar, right? Just like parents going through nine long months of pregnancy, day spring is entering nine, could be 12 could even take 14, hopefully not, months of waiting and planning and preparing. And as you go through all of that, it can be really helpful to know a few things about what to expect, 
when you're expecting. So this morning, I want to give you a little advice about how these things will change and grow over time and how it will affect your emotions and your life and your relationships so that you won't be too surprised when some things or someone goes a little sideways. It's just part of the journey. I'm also going to share these things with you so that you can support one another and love one another well when things are changing and so that you can welcome some new life, some new person into this family. So here's what you need to know about the first trimester. It's probably the next three months or so. You are going to feel a little bit like you're motorboating along on some dark lake and you cannot see where you're going. Patrick and Steve are looking at each other because I said motorboat. They dared me to say that. (laughs) I only had to change half the sentence to fit that in. (laughs) But it will. It'll feel like you're motorboating along on some dark lake and you cannot see where you're going. That is normal. That is so normal. You'll you'll see that some things aren't done the way that you're used to them being done, and it will irk you a little bit at times, and you are going to feel frustrated in some moments. But that's okay, because you're also going to be working on patience with one another. I know you will. For a month or two, as you probably saw in the email this week, for a month or two, there's going to be different people preaching most weeks. And I know because I'm already lining up all those preachers and planning all those worship services with Stephanie so that it's all laid out through the beginning of next year. Before next Sunday, all that will be planned and in place. So you can breathe a little bit. And during that time, you'll start wondering, as all this is going on, you'll start thinking, well, why didn't the leadership team start hiring an interim already? They've known that Chris was leaving for two months before he left. What in the world have they been doing? A little voice in your head will probably ask that, and someone might ask it out loud. What's going on? Does anybody even know what's going on? And at the very same time, your leadership team members... They're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, we've had so many meetings in the last three to four months. I do not know how many two to three hour more meetings I can cram into my life. We've been working our tails off, and I didn't even know this is what I was agreeing to when I signed up to serve on the leadership team. And just so you know, they have been working so hard, meeting after meeting, planning the budget, making plans for transitions, trying to figure it all out, gathering resources. Most of you don't have any way of knowing that, so I figured I should probably tell you, you all should be so proud (laughs) and so grateful to Chuck and Ellie and Brad and Lynn and David And Lindsay, who was even at our leadership team meeting this week, just two weeks postpartum, I couldn't believe she wanted to zoom into the meeting. They've all been working so hard on your part. And I just have to imagine they're a bit tired already. But from the outside, you can't really see that, and you're wondering why things weren't figured out sooner, and why are some things falling through the cracks? And the stress of all of that might make your stomach start to roll a little bit like morning sickness. Don't be surprised by that. It's normal. You should expect some morning sickness in that first trimester. It's part of the process. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Sure, it's not fun. But it's part of the process. 
And of course, all that anxiety and that morning sickness is churning. There will be some other things happening. Something will be forming that you just can't quite see the signs of. A transition team is already coming together, and the leadership team will be working on finding a good interim pastor for Dayspring, which, by the way, that's not that easy to do, actually. The leadership team will be working hard on those things. But remember, on the surface, you can't really see very many signs of pregnancy in that first trimester, can you? From the outside, you can't really tell anything's happening. It's not until maybe late in that first trimester that some things will start to show. And probably by the time the first trimester ends, you'll have worked out some of the holes and you'll have an interim in place and your transition team will have started working on some things and your morning sickness will finally start to subside because your anxiety is going down. And as you take a deep breath... You'll slip from the first trimester into the second trimester sometime probably this winter. My guess would be January or February. Now, I'm getting ready to tell you what most experts say, but it dawns on me that we have an OBGYN in the congregation this morning, so I'm feeling a little intimidated, but you can correct me afterwards if I get these trimesters wrong. The experts, though, as I understand it, will tell you that the second trimester is probably when you'll feel the best. It always made Jesse mad because she didn't feel great in the second trimester. <laughs> but in general, that's when moms tend to feel their best. They'll have a lot more energy than they had in that first trimester. She won't be quite as uncomfortable as she can expect to be in the third trimester. So a lot of women tend to feel better during that second trimester. Now, I know that Obviously, I'm a guy, and I'm watching this from the outside, but I always think that the second trimester is this really beautiful and exciting time. Some of that early anxiety about a miscarriage starts to fade, and mom is feeling better, and she has more energy, and it's also that time where that baby bump can start to form and grow, and the mystery and the beauty of the female body starts to show itself off, and can we just be honest and say a woman's body puts our men's male bodies to shame. It's kind of amazing and beautiful what they can do. And guess what? It's also amazing and beautiful what can happen in the church in that second trimester. During that time, a lot of new excitement and joy can start to build as you start dreaming and planning for the future. Probably sometime in this winter, maybe January or February, I expect Dayspring will be moving into that season where your interim pastor's in place and your transition team will have started doing some work and the whole congregation is going to be invited into some really important work. And you might hear news of that in the first trimester, but it sounds like sometime in that second trimester, you're probably going to have a series of congregational meetings probably once every three or four weeks, meetings that I'm sure is for every single one of you, whether you're in the room today or you're watching online or you're only listening to the sermon podcast, every person that is connected to Dayspring will be invited into those meetings in the second trimester. And let me just tell you a little bit about those so that you're clear. These will not be like some normal business meeting. They'll be a lot more like an evening retreat. And those meetings in the second trimester, they're going to be beautiful and moving, and you'll have the chance to share with one another what you have loved about Dayspring, what you hope to be true for Dayspring, and you'll even have the chance to be honest with one another about some things that maybe you think should change at Dayspring. 
But this is the time when you can start to see this new life start to form in you, and it will be so beautiful. So let me challenge you right now. Do everything you can to attend those three congregational meetings you'll have this winter. Not only will it be meaningful, your presence is critical there. And yes, I'm talking about each and every one of you. Don't dismiss your presence saying that your voice doesn't matter because it does. In that second trimester, the entire congregation has work to do together. There will be these critical conversations for you to participate in. And sometimes, guess what? Those meetings will not fit nice and neat into your life and into your calendar. You should expect that. But please hear me. Come to them anyway. Make them a priority just like you would prioritize those prenatal visits with your doctors. Sometimes you have to push other things aside because they're so important. Even if it's inconvenient, come to those meetings. The church needs you there. Just like mom really needs her partner there. And not only that, you won't want to be there because in these meetings, the doctor's going to pull out that sonogram machine and you'll start to see this fuzzy image of this new life that is being formed. And it will be so exciting and you'll kick yourself if you miss it, I promise you. Don't skip the prenatal visits. I almost did, you know, on our third pregnancy. We'd done this two times before. <laughs> I'd seen it before. I know how these appointments go. You, you know, you show up, there's a little blob on the screen, yada, yada, yada. You might feel the same about some of these church meetings. I know how this goes. I've done this before. That's how I felt. Almost didn't go to that prenatal appointment in our third pregnancy. I almost missed out because I didn't think it was really all that important. But you know, I'm so glad I did go. Because I almost missed out on one of the most memorable and life-changing moments seared into my memory. That moment of seeing my wife's smile fill up her face and her eyes water with tears as we learned that, no, this was not a normal pregnancy we were having twins, and everything's changing. Who knows? Maybe you all will have twins. <laughs> my, my parents' churches, by the way, they've decided to hire two instead of one. Come to the congregational meetings you'll have in that second trimester. You don't want to miss them. If I had to guess, just so you know, I would guess, and I don't know, but I would guess they'll happen sometime between January and April. But whenever they are, make sure you're there. And after that third meeting, the transition team will put everything you all have worked on together, everything you have said, and they will start to develop this really clear picture of who Dayspring is and who we feel called to be. And they'll start to develop this really clear picture of the kind of candidates that we think would be a good pastor for Dayspring and all of that is the kind of thing that's sort of like the sonogram pictures you can start sharing with other people so they can see what kind of new life is coming into this family. And by the time you'll have all of that, your excitement will start to be a little bit higher and your transition work will have been done and you'll finalize maybe some individuals around the search committee. Maybe it'll already be set by then. And once that happens, you'll take a really deep breath 
and you'll slip from your second trimester into the third trimester sometime this spring, probably before the end of the school year. Now, you know what you do during the third trimester, right? You wait. And you wait. And after a bit, you get a little more uncomfortable in all of that waiting. And much like in the first trimester, it might start to feel like nothing's happening again. And you'll try to be patient, but still, all that seems to be happening now is that you're getting more and more uncomfortable And when you get uncomfortable, you know what? It's just normal to get a little irritable and impatient. And you'll probably start to feel like maybe somebody is not doing their job because that's just how it goes in the third trimester. It's really what you should expect when you're expecting. Now, behind the scenes, your search committee will be sorting through resumes and listening to sermons and setting up multiple rounds of interviews and maybe some in-person visits and having really hard conversations, but you won't see any of that because here is one of the essential golden rules for search committees when they start receiving resumes and talking to candidates. The golden rule, absolute confidentiality cannot be broken. Unless, of course, you want to anger your potential candidates and poison their current ministry contexts. Absolute confidentiality between search committees and every person they get a resume from cannot be broken. And that's hard for search committees, but it's going to be even harder for the congregation as a whole because weeks will turn into months when you don't really hear anything and you wonder who they're talking to and who they're not talking to. And when that comes, just remember, this is how the third trimester always goes. It cannot be rushed. You really don't want a premature birth if you can avoid it. And so all you can do is wait. Wait on the slow work of the Spirit's guidance with your search committee and wait on the slow work of the spirit in these different candidates' lives. Wait and trust and take deep breaths and trust. And if you do all those things at the end of the third trimester, probably sometime the end of the summer or into next fall, you will find yourself welcoming a new person into the life of Dayspring. And that person will probably change you and challenge you, and they will inspire you in some moments and frustrate you in other moments. That's what babies do, don't they? (laughs) And they will certainly need a whole lot of help from you in those first few years. But they will also come to care for you in your last few years. That's how it works when pastors come. So now that you know what to expect when you're expecting, I want to share with you some words that Paul wrote to a church that he pastored and a church that we know was especially dear to Paul's heart, as you all are dear to my heart. And I want to invite you to hear these words with all of your waiting and all of your expecting in mind. This is from Philippians 2. If then, 
there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion or sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard this equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking on the very servant, the form of a slave being born in human likeness, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always listened to me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Do all these things without murmuring, and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by holding fast to the word of life, by your holding fast to the word of life, that I can boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run in vain and I did not labor in vain. This is my hope in Christ. Amen.